They're all saving one, or most of them, most of the Hampshire fielders are saving one. Somerset need one run. It's Edwards to Hildreth. He's there and bowls Hildreth, and he gets the run away through the onside, and Somerset have won. They've won the Royal London One Day Cup. Hello, you're listening to Always Look on the Bright Side of Life. This is the Somerset Cricket Podcast. My name's Ian Shepherd. Joining me tonight, as always, Steve Tancock, Dan Kingdom, and the voice of cricket on BBC Radio Somerset, Anthony Gibson. And we're recording this after a couple of Royal London One Day Cup games, which didn't exactly go according to plan. Dan, did you make it up to Northampton in the end, despite the slightly iffy forecast? I did, yeah. We, we, we took the chance um on the forecast and um it it, it paid off really because you know you can't complain about a, a loss the main thing is that we got a, a result you know it would have been annoying if we got another no result but you know someone's in sport you win you lose so i'll accept that and i've got to tick off a, a new ground which is nice and yeah i mean the match itself was uh it was just it not not a lot went right really you know from the we started okay bit of an understatement <laughs> Yeah, I mean, early on, Vasconcelos played and missed about six times, and you know, I was thinking then, oh god, we got to make one of these, one of these stick. You know, we need one of these to kiss the bat, and didn't, and it, you know, he went on to get eighty-eight. If we got rid of him quickly, you know, it could have been a different game. But yeah, I mean, him and Ben Curran, uh, they batted well. We fielded quite badly as well as some poor bowling. You know, we dropped four catches, I think, by my count couple of them really should have been taken the Hildreth um, Byron one was a real that was under 13 yeah. stuff that was appalling exactly yeah yeah it's, and then it was it, I think it was gettable but we needed you know two of our big three we needed we not to be Hildreth. 40 off 16 overs Dan that was probably uh, yeah I mean, <laughs> I, yeah uh, so I could see what they were trying to do Byron and Young they were trying to see off the new ball and they were trying to get themselves in but the problem was they just were not scoring enough singles. You know, it's fine to get yourself in in the one-day game, but it was just far too many dot balls. And they've got to find a way to turn the strike over while being defensive rather than just block, 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 because there wasn't really that intent there. So they clearly weren't trying to go big. And I was, I, I could see they were go- trying to obviously catch up. And they both showed a flash of, you know, Sam Young hit a couple of sixes, Byron hit a couple of fours. They both showed flashes of, you know, built, pushing on, getting up towards a runner ball. But, you know, they both got out quite quickly doing that. And suddenly then Hildreth and Goldsworth were together, needing eight or nine and over. Then Hildreth got out and the, the, run, the quiet run rate was soaring. And, you know, when Goldsworth and Davey, it, you know, it was exciting when they were together. It was an enjoyable partnership. The required run rate was, you know, it was like 10s, 11s at that point. I, I thought we had a chance. If, you know, if Goldsworth hadn't stood in the stumps, I think it would have been really intriguing to see what would have happened. I think, you know, on balance, we probably still would have lost. But you know, it's just a really disappointing end to that partnership. I was really confused at first. Like, mm. what's he just? What's he wandering off for halfway for a run? Yeah, he was sort of halfway um, on the pitch, and then he sort of wandered off, didn't he? Yeah, I was like, what is going on? Like, then, then you realise, ah, he's done what Davis did against Gloucestershire exactly. in the stumps. Yeah, yeah. It so, was. Um, I think I caught a couple of comments from you on comms, Anthony, that that Somerset's performance just seemed a little bit almost aimless and without a great deal of direction. Is that I fair? Wasn't, wasn't, well, in the field, I wasn't sure what they were trying to do, you know, what, what the tactics were. And also, uh, more worryingly, the, the, the out cricket really lacked intensity. 
Um, they were unlucky in the first ten overs. I agree with Dan. Um, the opening bowlers bowled, bowled well, and Vasconcelos got you know got lucky, played a miss a lot of times. And, um, so we didn't have much luck. But but um, Josh Davy is one of the least demonstrative captains <laughs> I have ever seen. You know, he, he he wanders around, he does his bit, but there was none of the usual God boys, and you know. You know, with Tom Abel shouting out across across the ground and, and and so on, it just it just lacked life and vitality and and intent. So it seemed from 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 a distance. And you know, Vasconcelos and Ben Curran are they're okay, but they weren't they weren't really put under any great pressure after that first ten overs. And then the batting, well, it was just too slow at the start and left middle order too much to do. And um, Lewis Goldsworthy, I thought he gets better with every game. You know, he was because he, a bit like um, Sam Young, has been guilty of playing too many dot balls early on in his innings. And yesterday he didn't. He was he was picking up a run almost almost every ball to keep the scoreboard ticking over. And when Josh Davy came in, they were in a, still in a position where they could have won won the game, but. It was always it was a, always a long shot after allowing Northampton to score too many runs and getting off to a very slow start. And you know, if we're being honest, we we're pretty lucky at the end of the last week as well that the rain came in the nick of time. Otherwise, we'd have lost that as well. Mr. Gibson is punching the air. I think was uh, Mark Church's <laughs> exact words from commentary at the Oval. It's quite true. I was. <laughs> But uh, we're going to have we're going to have to play. You know, I think we'll probably have to win both of these last last two games to 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 get through. And even then, I suspect I'll be heading up to Chester this street on Friday evening <laughs> <laughs> or somewhere. somewhere wow. like that. Will uh, Will Auntie Beeb spring for a flight or for that, or would it be? Uh... Must be joking. <laughs> <laughs> Steve, given that. Josh Davey is our de facto seventh choice captain and by my reckoning we only had one other fit player available to play yesterday in George Drizzle. Is the Somerset social media criticism unjustified or was that as poor as people are making out? I, I always come from the point that you've got to distill quite a bit of what's on social media because there'll always be the extremes. I think... I think this whole competition came home to roost for us yesterday. Um, I can't remember, and I haven't had time to look at the chart Dan did at the start of the competition, but I'm pretty certain North Hants were only missing one or two of their what would be their first-choice white ball squad. And up against a side where not only we lost all our drafted players, but we didn't have Ben Green and we didn't have mm. Jack Brooks, and I think we missed both of them massively so if you just indulge me a second Steve I've got the list of players who weren't playing yesterday Brooks was Jack injured or yeah he's he in the squad he, but he's, he is injured I know he is he, he, he's uh, in the squad for tomorrow yeah but I don't I he don't is. think he's going to play because he collided with the boundary board I think in the game against Yorkshire no it wasn't Yorkshire right. For what it's worth, for what it's worth if you check the scorecard attachment on the, the email from Somerset that's just gone around. He is in the team tomorrow in place of old Ned Leonard. Is he? So well, I'll he take that for what it's worth. He certainly, he certainly wasn't fit fit for the uh, for the Oval on last Wednesday. Mm. So Brooks is injured. Roll off in the hundred. Waller in the hundred. Leach with England. Conway, okay, maybe not uh, technically available, but he was in the hundred as well. Lewis in the hundred. Abel in the hundred. Overton in the hundred. Sale injured. Green self isolating. Banton in the hundred. Lamanby in the hundred. Smead in the hundred. And Rue was self isolating as well. 
which just left you George Drizellis, your only other fit player. So an in- incredible incredible lack of availability for our sort of first it was almost like the perfect storm wasn't it in the worst possible way yesterday um i the thing i felt and it's sort of tangent to what you said a minute ago ian i didn't feel either with battle ball we had a plan Hmm. or if at least if we had a plan and it wasn't working we didn't have a plan b and i think in in those sorts of games you know (laughs) 2020 is so quick that you don't really need to have a plan and stick to it almost because things change. You know, you hit the top of off stump and then you go to your wide jewels, don't you? That's pretty much it. I didn't, I couldn't work out either listening to Anthony, watching the stream, doing one or the other. I just couldn't work out what the plan was yesterday at all. And I think, you know, Josh Davey, love him to bits, think he's a tremendous cricketer, but. You know, he. I think he probably admit deep down he's not really a leader, stroke captaincy material. And you're right. What we needed there was somebody to come in and get hold of them at a break, a sanitisation break or something, and and you know do a bit of a rallying cry. And to me, it just seemed to drift. And you know, it was suddenly two hundred, and then it was two fifty, and then it was three hundred, and then we were behind the game. I, I think the other thing is, you know. Josh Davey is probably two, if not three, places too high. We joked earlier in the season about how strong our batting order is when you've got Roloff coming in at nine in a championship game, and now we've got Josh coming in at seven. And again, that's that's the circumstances. But you know, uh, the other thing I've, I've been binge listening to the County Cricket Natters One Day Cup podcast today while I've been working, and it's really interesting on there that a lot of people were saying that the teams with two overseas players still in their side and there's quite a lot of them from what I could say and, and of course we haven't got any you know we we are literally playing the youth team now pretty much well we've had March yeah, come so, back in and that's yeah and, yeah. Yeah, and March has come back in and to be honest uh, you know he's not exactly improved the bowling so far has he he's well back, he was um, yesterday he, he, he bowled pretty well he was he was without much luck um, I think he's, he's, his bowling I think has improved as the season's gone on I think he's a real weapon now in white ball cricket mm-hmm. okay. particularly particularly at the, at the death but um, you know I agree I mean the, the cupboard is bare but, you know, <laughs> yeah we, we, we can't sit here and criticise the selection because it would have yeah, yeah. Who, who else would have come in there's literally you'd have been picking you know one of the really sort of obscure names out of the second 11 or playing George Drizel for either Aldridge, Leonard or, or Baker, wouldn't you, Dan? We've got George Thomas coming in tomorrow. Oh, yes, George Thomas. Yeah, score runs against <laughs> Cornwall. Like, yeah, I feel like we could have done that a couple of, ga- couple of games ago, but uh, it's easy to say in hindsight, but I think he's probably in tomorrow to maybe balance the side a bit as a as the fifth bowler and who can also bat, you know, maybe go in at number seven. But I, I know he was playing a ACB festival thing, like Southwest, playing for like Southwest. Um, so I don't know if that affected his availability. I don't think it did, but he was playing that like a week or two ago. Um, but yeah, excited to see how he goes tomorrow, for sure, after his innings against Cornwall. I'd have thought Somerset would have trumped any availability concerns for a, sort of a, a regional yeah, sort of schools know. tournament. But God, that making me feel old, talking about players coming in to play for Somerset tomorrow, playing in the schools competition the week before. Oh. And, then, and then the really worrying thing is, of course, we said before this competition started, Byron and Bartlett needed big tournaments and they've had, you know, without being rude, the complete opposite of that. And they're just not contributing everything. And 
Now, Eddie Byron chewed up balls just at the start of the innings oh. and got himself out, which is the, the cardinal sin. As Dan said, it's okay, you know, starting an innings in 50 over and building an innings. But you, when you do that and you use up balls, two of you, one of you's got to go on and play the, the big innings. And, you know, Again, just... it makes you appreciate the class of somebody like Devon Conway, who's able just to yeah. angle the face of the bat, just pop the ball into a gap for a a good ball that he can't hit for a boundary and then as you said a couple of episodes ago Steve he's one of these players you look up at the board and where the hell did that 35-40 runs come from mm. but with Byram you can almost give Sam Young a pass it's his first taste of senior cricket but Byram's been around for a good few years now um, and I don't know that contract is expiring at the end of the season Seems to me that he's got the same issue that Bartlett's got. They both seem to have very, very big front pads at the moment. Mm. Eddie was LBW to um, to Moriarty down at the Oval. Outside off stump. Mm. Byron was, was taking guard yesterday outside off stump. You know, I don't know what I don't know what that's all about. You need, you know, if you if you're gonna you've got to access uh, the ball. I mean, yeah, Moriarty was running left arm round to him. Just swing your arms. Yeah. Yes. And I don't ball... know what one is. Um, poor old George Bartlett looks completely, I said, unconscious. It looks, looks his brain is scrambled. Well, he's got the same issue, isn't he? He's, 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 he's just out playing all round a straight yeah. ball. Planting his front back down be... the line of the stumps and he's, he can't get his back to it. I might be being really unfair here, but we've had the new batting coach for four or five months now. Yeah. And I've not seen a huge improvement. And, you know, this no. is where batting coaches earn their money. And I've just. I'd just like to know what's going on there, to be honest, because if he's the one saying to them, you've got to persist with this this style of batting, uh, I'm no batting coach and probably the worst person to talk about it, but it's not working, Mr. Trout. You need well, to, we... to have a look at it. And the, the thing is, they're both naturally very talented players. Mm. There's nothing wrong with their innate skills, but at the moment, they're just not, not delivering. And... You've got. I agree with you, Steve. I think you know the coaching has got some some questions to ask uh, to answer. If you've got fundamentally good players who are not just getting out, but looking as if they're all at sea, which is mm. the case with George Barnett uh, in particular, and also Eddie Byram, who doesn't seem to be able to find a happy medium between uh, Brigadier Block, which is what he is in Red Bull cricket, and you know. Um, flailing around and, and sort of completely manic approach that he tends to have in, in T20 cricket and both of, you know both of them need need a proper batting coach to take them in hand Marcus Triscothic would be the ideal mm -hmm. one and, and mm. get, them, get them back on track that's, that's yeah I mean batting especially is all about outcomes it's all about how many runs you score yeah. look at somebody like Rory Burns okay he's having a bit of a lean stretch but he's got that incredibly ugly technique which has worked for him certainly scoring buckets of runs for Surrey and with a degree of success at international level that works for him what um, Eddie and George have tried with this new off-stop guard isn't working for them and I thought of this one today this is a good one EB and GB are giving me the EBGBs at the moment <laughs> very good, very good. <laughs> yeah I didn't do much work today it just increases <laughs> It just increases the pressure on Davies, Hildreth and Goldsworthy, which, you know, it, it's not ideal for them to bat as well. And, and I think you've got to give Lewis even more credit for what he's achieving, given the fact he knows when he walks out now, if he doesn't get runs, we really are in the car. Mm. 
Yeah, especially with that tail starting at seven with, with Josh. Yeah. Just to rub a little bit more salt in the wound, certain Will Smead, who we all hope was going to have a, a bonanza Royal London One Day <laughs> Cup, is currently 30 off 19 balls for, um, I don't know, the Birmingham Butterkist in the competition that shall not be named. But he is playing well, isn't he? We could really do with him at the moment. Goes back to our one of the questions we had last week about if uh, well we've got to make it to the final first and that's looking really unlikely now. You think we'd have to win both of our last two games to to qualify? I don't. I well, don't agree. Necessarily. I think ten points will be enough. Mm. And it, and the Somerset way of doing this, as we know, we're never going to win the group and have a home semi final. We're going to mm. come third, as Anthony says. We're going to hike up to. Chesterler Street on Saturday and then have another game on Tuesday probably at Essex or something equally horrible and win both of those and then get to, you know it, it's it's one of those I agree with you in the balance of probabilities is that we're not and we're back to probably where we all thought we were going to be at the start of the competition and then we all got a bit excited but let's not take away from the fact and try and be a bit positive mm. What this young side has achieved in a very short space of time is simply astonishing, and they should yeah. be given a great deal of credit for that. Absolutely. Uh, and yeah. they will all be better players for the experience they're getting. You know, it's easy It's easy to come in in a Somerset side that's winning, say, as Lewis Goldsworthy, I say easy, but it's easier, and score runs. But to be the main man at the moment have to score runs, or Sonny Baker is basically our second bowler in the attack. When he comes on and he's bowling with Craig and Lewis and Josh, oh, blimey, he's going to think he's in an armchair with his slippers on, isn't he? Yeah. Phil, nice. Phil Rowe, who was summarising yesterday, uh, former assistant coach with Nottinghamshire, a really good judge, judge of the game, nice bloke, brilliant summariser. He was really seriously impressed with young, Somerset's young quick bowlers, all, all three of them. Um, and and the fact that they have been homegrown, and, he, uh, you know, and, and, uh, and even, even Sam Young, you know, drew praise from him for the from the way he applied himself. Um, so I, I don't think we should be too, too downcast. You know, it was um, they are a very very young young side, um, and they do need the reinforcement, the backbone provided by Steve Davis, who got out to a dreadful shot yesterday. It was uh, negligent, was the word I used on on commentary. Just you know, <laughs> it on its way down to deep deep backward square leg. Um, and I'm not sure. I don't know quite what's going through James Hilda's head at the moment. Um, again, you know the fact that he didn't he didn't take charge when that ball was in the air when it was falling between mm. him, him and Eddie Byram as the senior pro. He should have said that's mine, and he was running in towards it as well. Um, and if he did say that mine, that's mine, then Eddie Byram didn't hear it and they left it to each other. And I thought that was that was. That was very poor. I agree with with Ian. That was just about the worst worst one well, in the whole. I mean, with a no offence to Wanted Road, but I wouldn't imagine it had the sound level of Eden Gardens with one hundred and ten thousand people in. People there. I'm, you know, it was. I'm glad. I'm glad Dan Dan's been to Wanted Road at least once. <laughs> I'd be interested to know if he feels drawn to go back there again. Oh, well, wow! Well, to to watch Somerset go anywhere. But um, yeah, yeah, quite. Quite people are, are really nice and welcoming, but as a ground, I mean, it's pretty. It's must be one of the worst in the country. And it's a lot of an improvement when the football ground used to run alongside it. Oh, absolutely. it was absolutely. You know, good. 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 on the far side. Oh, of the 
goodness me i remember going there with my dad in our late 70s for some game oh my goodness it was yeah i think um, luxury dan luxury i think anthony obviously is unlucky he has to look towards that really ugly sports center at the other end because if you look towards the commentary you know the pavilion it looks a lot nicer around the thing but yeah, that, that building at the other end, the Lynn Wilson Centre, the, the windows on it and the, the, the sort of sticky up holes, they're really ugly. And I'm surprised that, <laughs> I, I think it's quite a new building as well. I don't know how that got past, you know, planning permission, whatever, you know. It's, and the, the it's ground is surrounded by red, red brick Victorian suburbia mm. as well, which is, you know, it's not very exciting. <laughs> they're, they're nice, nice people. Yeah. We are very spoilt with the beauty of our home ground. Yeah, Shall we have a little chat about the Surrey game and how hilarious that was that we... <laughs> We managed to duck the rain by by two overs. I timed it. Well, I went back and reviewed the stream, and I think we took about two minutes longer to bowl our eight overs, and Surrey did their first eight overs. So yeah, it wasn't. They they weren't they weren't right at the end um, when March and Delanger came on. There was a bit of time wasting. But Slipped over. March is back quite quite smartly to his mark, and I, I don't think there was any. They wouldn't, there was nothing that Somerset did that any other side wouldn't have done under the same circumstances. It, was, you know, it, it wasn't. And I don't know if you noticed, Anthony, you probably wouldn't because you were commentating, but I noticed that our game's first innings finished 5, 10, 15 minutes later than the other one. So I think Surrey bowled their overs quite slowly as well. Yeah. So, you know, there's a little bit of culpability there. But it, it's, it's going to happen, isn't it? If we were the victims of that, we'd be absolutely fuming. Well, we were the victims and, and, of Ed, Edgerson last year, if you remember. In the, yep, in the, yes. You know, we missed out on a win and because because of the weather. And that could have cost us very dear. So, it, you yeah. know, switched around a bit. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. That was but another... We, weren't very, we, we really weren't very good. No, but what's bad. really funny, guys, is that Surrey then went to Leicester on Saturday and lost <laughs> four wickets in the last over or four wickets needing one run to a Three and four balls. Three yeah, four. something... To Ben, ben Mike, Ben Mike, last over, something like that. Uh, yeah, Ricky Clark the, hit the last ball of the penultimate over for six to bring it yeah. down to like three off and over, four. something like that. Four off and over, and they didn't get it. So, yeah. yes, it was hilarious. <laughs> Loved <laughs> it watching it on the stream. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, just going back to that Surrey game, I think it's just really interesting. You know, Goldsworthy was obviously, you know, it's just great to see Goldsworthy batting so differently, and he can bat in different ways. You know, against Surrey, he had to consolidate just and i think he was probably mm -hmm. thinking right just need to take time out the game here with the, with the possible rain later bat for as long as we can and you know accompanied by you know aldridge and drissel and you know i think most praise goes to baker as well you know he was really good at the end to help uh goals of the other 48 you know that that was what won us sorry not one of the game that that was what ensured the no result that that partnership that 10th wicket partnership you know and then goals you know changed his batting style completely against north as he had to and it's just you know and it's just really encouraging he's such an exciting player it's good is. to He's see got that. Such a good on his shoulders. I mean, you know, it, it, what Dan says is absolutely right. I talked to him afterwards, and and he said, well, you know, when, you know, when the when the main main batsman had gone, he, he set himself to take responsibility to to see the innings out, to take Somerset through to the fifty overs, and then when he got within strike, you know, the last few overs, he thought, well, I, you know, I can have a I can have a hit now, and he did it really, really well. Um, but it was very, very impressive. From the the young man, he really does have a very very mature head on on his slender shoulders. Yeah, what struck me about it, as you say, Gibbo, was just the maturity of taking charge of that run chase. And he, he played right. over the two inning, uh, Surrey and North Ants. He played two pretty much 
perfect knocks in in terms of pacing and and knowing what to do at the right time, which is really pleasing because previously when he's got runs, um, a couple of Sundays ago against Yorkshire, he got a few, but he was sort of in Hildy strip slipstream a little bit while he was going bananas. But great to see him take it on his shoulders uh, two games in a row and prove what a, anyone, what a great player is going to be. Okay. Sorry? Has anyone, have you seen James Goldsworthy, his young, younger brother, play? No. No, I try not to venture over the border if I can. No, no, he's been playing concert. He's just followed me on Twitter. Anyway. <laughs> if he's half as good on, on as, his, as his elder brother, you know, he'll be good as well. Oh, Smead 40 not out of 22. Flying the flag for the Birmingham Buttercast. I'd like to see him in the championship side, Will Smead. Well, I think he's probably going to mm -hmm. be in there. I was saying default, that. I he? was saying that. In those two games, those two games, the ninth and tenth game, I thought he should have been picked then. But uh, yeah. I think with Bartlett playing himself out of the championship side, I think you know Smead yeah. is, is, a, is a chance, isn't he? We've got quite a few options, I think, especially if we sign an overseas player. You know, with Banton and Lammers and Gold, Gold's over all going for middle order spots. Hildreth, hopefully able, you know, four and three. You know, mm -hmm. Davis in there as well. So it's quite it's exciting. interesting that Young has been given the competition to open, isn't it, Dan? Because I think he's been he has been groomed as a first team opener or given a chance to open yeah. first team cricket. Let's say I think that's a very that's... clear clear objective. Yeah, and I, I think suppose he... we'll have our coach back fairly soon, won't we? Because the the Welsh Wonder Wops or whatever are going to be um, knocked out by in this game if they don't win today, I believe. Oh, that's a shame. Oh, okay. Mm. Wonder what sits. I think we should. I'll tell you what's worrying them. about it though is that there's no Tom Abel in the um, Birmingham side. Mm. Yeah, um, I mean it's still yeah. three weeks. Yeah, but it suggests to me that he's still not fit. Twenty second of June, wasn't it? Around about that time that he got he got injured, which is yeah. six seven weeks now. So that suggests it's something quite serious. All the mm. noises coming out of. Um, Somerset social media he's taking it day by day so but I would have thought if it's that serious he'd, he'd have left the 100 and come back to Taunton because I don't mm. see the logic of him risking that hamstring for you know to play the last one or two games in a nonsense competition no. when he's the Somerset captain no. and he's got the county championship to fight for in a, in a few weeks time mm. yeah there's a couple of worrying things coming out of that tournament for me. That's one. And the other one is that Lewis Gregory doesn't seem to be bowling at all. He's reprising his role in the big bash last year. Yeah. It might just be tactical. I mean, Lewis is the captain as well, and captains can often mm. over-bowl or under-bowl themselves. And I think Lewis has got a lot of options in that team. Um, there's been a lot of spin used as well, hasn't there? With Rashid Khan and uh, Matt Carter and Sam Patel. You know, the tournament generally has had a lot of spin. So maybe it's just that he hasn't felt the need to use himself and that because he can get he can be quite expensive in T20s and I'm not I can't remember who their pace bowlers are but maybe maybe their other pace bowlers are a bit better you're not, bit, bit, you're not suggesting on. that Trent Bridge is being prepared as a raging turning wicket to suit their bowling attack are you Dan? <laughs> no never no no county would do that <laughs> we look forward to the Trent's Rockets uh, points deduction in a few days time then would they do that in the 100? That'd be too complicated, surely. Oh, yeah. You'd have to explain it to this new audience. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. I did watch um, a bit of the preview of this game, and Darren Goff isn't as bad as I thought he'd be. 
Because for is a that because you thought he was going to be absolutely horrendous? I and thought he was going to be like KP with a foghorn times ten, and also listen to him on Talk Sport as well. Sometimes when he talks an absolute load of drivel, he was he's very good. He was you know talking about all the different sorts of balls he used to bowl. This is like a masterclass thing he's doing with Mark Butcher before the game started, and then he did the I listened to the first few balls of his commentary, and he you know he wasn't raising his voice. He wasn't trying to sound like a commentator Kay, uh, Freddie sometimes tries to sound like what he thinks a commentator should sound like he tries to imitate Bumble's hyperbole and he doesn't quite get it right and he ends up just sounding like an Egypt but Goffey was very good so I'm giving, I'm giving Goffey a tick there's still plenty of minus, uh, minus columns uh, for commentators in the 100 KP is way 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 top of that list He's I, don't, I don't think he'll ever be caught Thank goodness. How has Graham Swan not got a gig for the 100? Did I say this last week? He seems to be completely out of it because he's not doing TMS at all. At oh, moment. I think I he's know. a long way there? from TMS at the moment. I think he's light years away from getting back in that commentary box. Strange, though. Talking, he, about, he has his fans. Talking, ab- talking about such commentators, did anyone hear Alistair Cook's suggestion for getting the Camp- County Championship <laughs> down to 14 teams? What, just I a, read about it, and it was a very, very silly suggestion. Is that just play one season of sudden death and axe four counties yeah. at the end of 2020? Yeah. <laughs> a bit ruthless. I, thought, I, thought, I always thought Alistair Cook was a nice bloke. Yeah. Well, Imagine to see if Essex were one of those four counties, whether it be such a good idea still. I think when Michael Vaughan's got inside his brain and planted a few of his own stupid ideas oh. and Cook's just repeating them. God, I hope we don't see him at Taunton too much. What's Archie now? 15, so he's probably got a couple of years before he might make an mm. appearance in maybe the one-day team at Taunton. Yeah. Don't really want to say too much, do we? Just to... <laughs> so guys, who, who are we going to pick that's going to go through from the two groups then? I'm going to say Glamorgan, Yorkshire and Somerset from our well, group. Should we have a little recap of the tables first so we all know where we are? Um, so, Group A, which is not ours, Durham played 6-9 points, Lancashire played 7-8 points, Essex played 6-8 points, Worcester played 7-7, Hampshire played 7-7, Gloucester played 6-6, and I think that's pretty much all we can have from that group. And then in They're Group B, points per game, aren't they? Yeah, because of the Gloucestershire COVID thing. Oh, right, average okay. points per game. I don't know how, what, what effect that will have, but but, uh, I, but I, I did sort of factor that in, in in saying I think it's going to be Durham Essex, and my money would be on Worcestershire because they tend to get things done in this competition. And just looking at the games that are remaining as well. Um, the big games tomorrow is Worcestershire against Durham, so might have to have two screens on tomorrow while I'm working. Should I find where we are? Where are we tomorrow? Yeah, so uh, tomorrow is Essex Sussex, Worcester Durham, and then in our group, Knotts against North Ants, Somerset against Leicester, and Surrey against Warwickshire. And then, so we're going for. My phone keeps locking while I'm trying to look at the tables here. So you say Durham, Essex and Worcester. So you think Lancashire will slip out of it? Yep. Okay. And then in Group B, we've got Glamorgan played 7-10. Yorkshire played 7-8. Somerset played 6-8. Knotts played 7-6. Warwickshire played 6-6. And Surrey played 6-6. And North Ants played 6-6. So that is really wide open. 
It is. I well, think if we win tomorrow and not beat Northlands, we're through. Um, because oh no, oh hang on no not quite not quite we'd have to oh that's oh no that's not quite right we need Surrey or Warwickshire to not win both their games <coughs> it could go down to net run rate if there yeah, could be several teams with ten points I, I think, think net run rate will come into it and ours is not it's not the worst but it's not the best either well it could have been a lot worse if it wasn't for Lewis Goldsworth these last two innings couldn't it I mean not mm. have got a point point nine five plus net run yeah, rate of all the contenders ours is. Second worst. So, yeah. At least it's still in our hands. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. Oh. I, I haven't been expecting us to to get through at any at any stage except when we beat Yorkshire. I thought that we had a real chance. Um, so if we do get through, it'll be a real, real achievement for that young group of of players. Mm. Absolutely. Uh, I don't know. Um, We'll have to see. If we can get Harry Swindles out early tomorrow, I think that we have a good chance against Leicestershire. And a good win against Leicestershire to boost our net run rate might just be enough. Yeah, mm. absolutely. All this just... What we also want is a surrey Warwickshire tie tomorrow. That would be extremely tie. useful. <laughs> yeah. Not if asking tie, for much, Dan, are we? Yeah. <laughs> if, if they I tie this... and not beat North Ants and we win, we're through tomorrow. You could say it could I think the Surrey faithful might be seen throwing themselves off various tall buildings in Kennington on uh, Tuesday evening if that happens down. That would be, even for Surrey supporters, I think that might be a bit too much to, t- to take. <laughs> Can I just yeah. ask a question? I'm, as you, I've mentioned this before, I'm a bit of a kit nerd. And could somebody explain to me how the heck Northamptonshire were wearing those colours yesterday? Because I'm pretty certain that's not their club colours. It was sort of a Does aqua it, blue, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah, it looked like Derbyshire. That's what I thought. Yes, yeah, yeah. I can't get it. I, I surely you've got to play in some semblance of your club colours. That, to me, would be logical. Um, yeah. But then Surrey play in yeah, that, play that pale blue stuff, don't they? And yeah. If anyone knows, please let me know because that sort of thing really vexes <laughs> me. I, like in the, when you watch the football and. The, the away team changes kits when their home kit is red and they're playing a team in blue and I'm why you know oh, that's they wear not, white that winds me up that does that really yeah. winds me up it's obviously it's all to do with getting exposure for the away kit of course because like yeah. who, who would Norwich City wear their away kit against nobody so they have to wear mm. it against Man United and everybody just to get the exposure um but if anyone knows please if anyone's out there let me know because it's really bugging me i'm afraid yeah Sad drop us a tweet anybody one. from north ants just one last thing about the north ants game uh, anthony i nearly fell off my chair when at the end of the game your co-commentator referred to the partnership between casey aldridge and old ned leonard <laughs> old ned leonard I, well I, I did credit you with it i did i rewound the stream just to when he started bowling yeah, yeah. i've had it I was like, oh cry what's that there because I, I did the old Ned Leonard. Old thing. Ned Leonard. <laughs> and it got into poor old uh, Phil, Phil's head, I think. And, and he, when he said on commentary, he said, I, now you said that about Ned Leonard, I can't get it out of my head. So. It's catching, isn't it? <laughs> Very catchy. Well, it was it was sat in my head for about three months before I had the, uh, had the guts to say it on the podcast. But <laughs> there we go. We started a trend. Old Ned Leonard is trending. Yeah. Right, shall we see what the uh, our Twitter correspondents have been asking of us today? 
Okay, one from Richard Freeman. Any rumours slash thoughts about an overseas player coming in for the T20 quarterfinal and championship? Um, well, we can't sign anyone for the quarterfinal um, unless it's Conway because um, you have to play in the group stage um, to play in the knockouts of the blast um, if, as an overseas player. So um, I don't think there'll be anyone for that. In the championship, I think, yeah, I think we might get someone, but haven't heard anything yet. I've heard rumours that there might be rumours. But with that quarterfinal being only a couple of days after the 100 final finishes, surely it wouldn't be beyond the wit of man to get Devon in for that quarterfinal. Yeah, but he's he gone. He's gone. Injured. He's injured. Oh, he's Brent gone now, is he? Oh, is yeah. he? oh sorry. Not. Oh. How have I missed that? I'm such a fan of the 100. <laughs> I really keep an eye on these things. Will Smead, 44 out of 27. But yeah, I mean, we think we. We need a batter. Somebody like Decock would be good. Elgar, who knows? But yeah, um, nothing confirmed from the club yet about any uh, overseas signing. But I think uh, I'll be su very surprised if something uh, something wasn't in the pipeline. Uh, one from Simon. Would you run over the remainder of the calendar for the season, please? Just been reading about how Surrey don't qualify for the Royal London Quarters. Then I'll have about two weeks with no cricket in August, which is madness for any county. Always offer an opinion on that too. Yeah, that is, it's bizarre. Now, if you look at the, I always refer to my cricket wall chart, just tucked here next to me when we're doing the podcast. And um, yeah, Simon's absolutely right. There's no, well, the domestic cricket schedule from this Thursday goes, two teams playing a Royal London um playoff on Saturday, next Tuesday is the semis, next Thursday is the final and then nothing till you've got four or eight teams playing in the Blast quarter finals and then the um, the county championship starts again on the 30th so, so you throw millions of pounds at a competition to get new people interested in cricket you hypothetically have somebody at Trent Bridge who's been to watch a few games, really has enjoyed it thinks, oh, I quite fancy going and seeing what this Nottinghamshire lot are like in the school holidays. Yeah. It's like it's like doing a big pre-Christmas marketing campaign for the latest toy and then it not being available for two weeks until the 7th of January or something. It's utter, you know, it, it, you, you can have all your conspiracy theorists say, I'm, I'm a conspiracy theorist, but it just makes you wonder if they are trying to say, well, we did all this, we pushed and look, there wasn't an uptake in interest in the counties. I, I, just bonkers. Just bonkers. I think they are so blinkered on this competition that they've got no no perception of what else they could have done to maximise. You know, my school holidays were spent at the county ground or with my dad going around and watching the Western Festival, which used to be the first week of August, and wherever else we could go, often to have a, a short holiday and, you know, go somewhere and watch someone else play. Because there was three-day cricket, a Sunday league game, and a Gillette Cup quarter-final and semi-final in August. So really big games with that season. I know the season finished earlier, but it was building to that end-of-season finale. And this is just, you know, just a damp squib, isn't it? I think the easy solution is... Um for next season is to move the T20 quarterfinals before the 100. So you, and also have a couple of rounds of championship after the end of the last group stage, but before the quarterfinals, because that also gives you those 
you know, we did have a two, a couple of summer championship games this summer, but sorry, we did have a couple of championship games in July. <laughs> but obviously, we need more championship in middle of summer. Everyone's been talking about that. You know, it's, it will help the test team, etc. You know, that could be a way as well because you've got to have a bit of a gap between the end of the Blast Group stage and the quarterfinals to allow um, counties to sell tickets. But maybe you just, yeah, shift those quarterfinals earlier. Um, it, it does seem utterly bizarre that it's well, it's not bizarre that it's fine to have the. Um, the Royal London semis and playoffs within a couple of days of the group stage finishing. But it yeah. would have made much more sense and it would have structured the summer in a lot more logical manner if we'd have had the Blast quarterfinals a couple of days after the group stage had finished. Because well, not a couple of days. Well, maybe, okay, maybe not a couple of days. Maybe had a, a championship game in between or something like that. Mm. But it just didn't seem... It doesn't seem right for it to happen that way I mean we we you know today on uh, Somerset how quickly we've sold out for our Blast quarterfinal you know it's within like two hours of it going on general sale so if you're going to sell out for a big game you'll generally sell out quick if it's a quarterfinal mm. I'm sure most other counties will be in the same boat with regards to selling out their, their Blast games particularly the, the quarterfinals and knockout games so it just seems down. Remember, people can plan ahead for these ones, though, because we've known about this quarterfinal for a while. Whereas oh, yeah, if it was if you kind of knew when they were anyway. And also with these mm. as well, they're starting at 7 o'clock because of the test matches on to accommodate the coverage of that on TV. So a T20 starting at 7 is going to finish quite late, which, you know, probably mm. 20 past 10, which is not going to be ideal for a lot of families, mm. particularly with young kids. So... Yeah, more food for thought there. Away supporters as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, Kent, Kent start their games at seven o'clock at, at uh, Canterbury. And Essex do at Chelmsford as well, which means, as you say, you know, I'm not away from the ground. Mm. Or court to eleven, and and you know, other people are not not working even then. But, I mean, you know, if you're coming from any distance at all, it makes it a very late night. Will Speed fifty off twenty nine balls still going. Um, <laughs> what was I going to say? And also as well, local fans as well. I'm not sure what, what time's the last trains trains leaving Taunton. It's got to be tight for a well, the, 20 the, past I mean, 10 finish. Final at Trent Bridge of the Monday Cup starts at lunchtime, doesn't it? It's also one. Yeah, day nighter, yeah. yeah. I can uh, I can see why they did that, to be fair, because it's for TV and it, it will get people watching on TV and in the evening, you know, um, they can see the second innings after work. But yeah, it's also crap for fans go into the game like I'm going to need we're going to need a hotel yeah me and my family will need a hotel if we go to that match yeah, at night yeah. we're going to yeah. tear Nottingham up Dan <laughs> we'll paint the town red can't wait ah <laughs> <laughs> uh, right moving on then um, oh you couldn't have scheduled this better well Mandy Cleave one day cup final at Trent Bridge scheduled for Thursday as day night game starting at 1pm discuss could the ECB be any more contemptuous to county cricket I think well, that Dan must have read ahead on that one and answered your question well, they, they before we read out. They started this with the Lords final a few years ago, didn't they? Because that started, that started mid afternoon or some ridiculous yeah, time. Somerset Warwickshire 2010 was a day night game on a Saturday mm -hmm. for some reason. I think there was a reason, but I don't think it was a very good one. No. No. I mean, I quite like the idea of a day night final, but you know, it's the practice. It's always done for TV and. You know, I, they were saying on that other podcast today, it really does need knots to get to the final to make sure you've got a, a really good crowd and atmosphere. You know, because if it's heaven help us, if it's Glamorgan and Durham, 
you know that's going to be yeah pretty empty i would venture to suggest whereas if it was on a saturday at lords it would probably be a little bit more full with a, possibly a better mm. atmosphere mm. Uh, at Lord Lupin, in hindsight, should Somerset and all the counties have taken the ECB cash for eviscerating the summer? Bit of a hypothetical one there. I, you could answer that well, question need, a million ways round, couldn't you? Mm, um, you you mm. don't need hindsight. I think we all said at the time this is a bad idea. We're being bribed into taking this £1.3 million for a competition which is very risky. Yeah. I think knows the answer then. I don't know where Anthony's gone. He had an urgent phone call and he's maybe it's Charlie <laughs> Taylor. Maybe he's forgotten he's supposed to be on the cricket show tonight. Uh, moving on then. Robert Blackwell. Will Lewis Goldsworthy be the best cricketer to come out of Cornwall since Jack Crap? I think he will be. And then you had a bit of an argument about uh, whether it was him or Jake Libby, Steve. So, <laughs> Well, no, I was just... Uh, Anthony and I just threw other names because he threw Jack Richards, the, the Surrey and England wicketkeeper mm -hmm. in as well. And I think Robert misunderstood. I was just trying to throw other names in. And as anyone who listens to the podcast knows, I've got quite a soft spot for Jake Libby anyway. Um, I tell you what, if Lewis Goldsworthy has a better career than Jake Libby, I'll take that. And then... Because I think Jake Libby's been a wonderful county cricketer for years. So um, I just remember the aforementioned um, as an umpire rather than as a, a player. Jack so I didn't, yeah, I didn't even know him as a, a. Was he a slow left armer, Anthony? Yeah, he, he played seven test matches for England. Right. Okay. Uh, back in the, must have been in the 30s, something, something around that. But he was a very, very famous umpire. Mm. Test match umpire. Yeah. Maybe maybe Lewis won't even be the best Goldsworthy to come out of Cornwall if, uh, oh, if Jamie. you know. Keep your eyes open for Jamie Goldsworthy. We're going to have so many Jamies in the side. If we get Overton Jay back as well. Tom, we're Tom, have... and, Tom, Tom's and Jamies, wouldn't they? Yeah. yeah. Lewis. And Lewis's. Tom, Tom's, Tom's Jamies, Jamies and Lewis's. Lewis's. Yeah. 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 Have we got any more? Uh Hopefully we get a few more Neds in as well. Well, Eddie, Eddie and Ned, that's the same, isn't it? Three Georges, Thomas, Drissel and Bartlett at the moment. Yeah. Uh, a Davis and a Davey. This is going off. This conversation's going off at a weird tangent now. Do you think they'll keep George Drissel on? Two Jacks? Mm. No. Mm. No? No. No, unlikely, I think. We could do it with an off-spinner. I think we will try and go for an off-spinner, whether... Mm. Well, I don't know. Maybe they'll give him because the second eleven games kick off again soon, don't they, Dan? So yeah. it would be yeah, yeah, yeah. I think they're playing in that. Yeah, I think what I mean, we maybe really we'll... need, what we really need, is Anthony to specify a, a town in the southwest he wants a player to come from, <laughs> so that so that when when his reflex Lewis Goldsworthy from Camborne comes on comms, he'll be able to say Somerset's young off spinner from Bude or Helston or. Yeah. Wellington or whatever, you know. I think that I think that's sort of becoming as as contractually obliged now as old Ned Leonard is. So. <laughs> well, I like I like the fact that Somerset as a team is rooted in the West Country. Mm. I, I think it's important to to em emphasize that, and it's mm. I think it's one of the real strengths of the side that the vast majority of them are West Country boys. You know, have grown mm. up together playing cricket for the academy, uh, and so on. And you know, that's what county cricket is all about. As far as, I, as far as I'm concerned, you know, the players should come from the county or near the county. 
that, that, they that they represent, because that's what creates the real loyalty that there is, particularly in this part of the world, to, to mm. Somerset, which is something that's completely absent, as far as I'm concerned, about, about the 100. I couldn't give a flying... Yeah, <laughs> the problem with the 100 and, and franchises generally is that... It's just a transient nature of players, isn't it? Yeah, it's like, well, if Welsh Fire beats um, the Birmingham Phoenix, it doesn't mean anything. It's just this group of cricketers has beaten this group of cricketers. Yeah. Okay, great. It's, it's, there's nothing more than that. Welsh Fire are nothing to do with Wales. They only have one, I think, in the men's team, they've got one Welsh player, I think. It's David there Lloyd. David Lloyd, I think he's the only one in the squad. Yeah. There isn't a single Welshman in the side that's playing tonight. No. Is Tom Banton not Welsh then? No, he's, <laughs> he's born in Buckinghamshire. Grew up in Warwickshire, went to school at Taunton. But he's, you know, he's one of the lads, one of the Somerset lads. Yeah. I think he might. Is he captain in Welsh Fire tonight? I think he might be. No, Duckett, uh, captain. Oh, Duckett, Welsh Welsh I, I misread the screen. Hmm. Will Smead, 53 off 32. Yeah. Uh, moving on then Robert Blackwell how many Somerset fans will be at Edgbaston for the last game of the championship we'll be there for all four days what stand should we all book tickets for I think it would just be able to sit where you like at that stage yeah, you? Yeah. I think yeah. I pretty much do at the county ground anyway don't tell anyone I very rarely sit in my location we'll have to sit on Gimlet's Hill because my knees are a bit shot <laughs> near the extra leg room so that's my excuse oh Robert goes I on think, again I think we will find I think we will all find an area and it will be great fun I think yeah. it's going to be a tremendous atmosphere absolutely I'm hoping the same at Scarborough I'm hoping is I know quite a few people have been on Twitter saying about booking accommodation and going up there so you know we're going to have a run of four games and I think We've it not hopefully will build coaches to away games this year that must be because of Covid normally they run two or three a year don't they mm hmm I don't remember them no, doing them in recent years. I thought they just do. They do it for finals. Oh, maybe just for finals there, and quarterfinals. Yeah, they used to longer ago. They did in like sort of 2010, 2011. I think they did do these away trips, you know, on coaches. But live streamers really killed it. You see, why would you go and you live stream <laughs> it? And lastly, Robert writes: I'm worried about Bartlett's batting. Join the club. What is Jim Troughton doing about it? Not really sure, but he need, whatever he needs to do, he needs to do it bloody quick. Well, Jim Troughton is with Welsh Fire at the moment. Think. So, oh, is he? That's so, an issue, yeah. so we've got oh great. So we've got two young batters who were supposed to have promising um competition uh, promising um exploits in the Royal London one day cup and our batting coach and our head coach have left them in the lurch. So Steve Kirby Steve, Steve Kirby's Steve doubling Kirby's as the defense. batting coach. Oh god, that, that's probably what what the problem is then. <laughs> Love Kerbs a bit, but I suspect he would admit that he's not the greatest <laughs> yeah. batting coach in the world. No, he was, uh, yeah, from what I remember, he was a little bit harem scare on the old tango. Bless him. Right. <laughs> Although he is very good on the on the live streams, which we'll be uh, mm -hmm. hearing tomorrow. No, Harry Everett tomorrow. He's he's uh, been struck down with COVID. Um, all the best, Harry. Do hope you get well soon if you're listening. Uh, we'll get to uh, a couple more questions. Uh, one more from Andy Cleave. Concern about Bartlett and Byron's batting. Bartlett sees me getting out regularly. LBW must have a high percentage of uh, dismissals in that way. And Eddie hasn't fulfilled the potential we know he has. Couldn't agree with you, Andy. I think we've already covered that. Um, anyway, no, I looked at I looked oh. at Bartlett's LBWs. If you wanted me to, uh, so in the, so stuck T Twenty. He batted three times. It was caught all three times. But in the One Day Cup, he's batted three times. He's been caught once, bowled once, LBW once. And in the championship, he's batted so well. So he's been out 13 times and he's been caught six times. 
LBW six times and bold once. So overall, it's about half uh, bold or LBW. You know, that's so, a lot. And it's, first yeah, it's here. not actually just this year either. I looked at 2019. <coughs> he's got a fair number of bolds and LBWs that season as well. But the difference was that he was scoring a few runs more consistently, you know, before getting out. So it's definitely an issue at the moment. Because he had a, he's three times that I can remember he's been bold or LBW not playing a shot which does lead you to believe that yeah. something's gone wrong and he doesn't know where his off stump is, which is absolutely vital when you're playing red ball cricket, knowing what to leave and what to play. He's, yeah, uh, yeah to bark against uh, against Hampshire, he shouldered arms, he did against Leicester. Yeah. Which was, yeah, very disappointing that to do it the next game. <laughs> I think the one thing you, you, you'll be telling yourself not to do after you've been LBW shoulder and arms the game before is for God's sake don't shoulder arms to a straight one the game after and to do that is a bit uh, a bit disappointing um, Andy goes on anybody else feel sorry for Sam Young yesterday clearly wants to make an impression early loss of Davis didn't help seem to go into his shell the painstakingly slow start to our run chase is what cost us mm-hmm. agree Spots with that Andy. yeah yeah but I think, again, as I said earlier, it's money in the bank for Sam Young and the young bowlers and, and all of this. And you know, it's, it, you've got to look at the slightly longer view as well. Yeah. yeah. I think there with Sam Young, I think. There is something to work with. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, Chris Payne asks, which of the young quicks has been the most impressive? I think it's Baker for me. He's, he's mm-hmm. the one who seems to have improved the most um, from the sort of like second 11 then, highlight then, reels we've seen. I do like the look of Ned Dead and Ned Leonard as well. I like all all three of them. I think they look, they, you know, they look the part. They've got good actions, the right sort of physique, and they've got the potential to fill out and get quicker. You know, all of the uh, all of the basics, all of the raw materials are there yeah. with all three of them for them to become really top class quick players. Absolutely. I just hope we can uh, we can keep them all. Which is we don't want a situation of the um oh, who's the lad that went to Kent uh started last year. Gilchrist. Nathan Gilchrist. Nathan Gilchrist. Who took five yeah. wickets last Thursday or Friday or Wednesday or whenever. And it's the trouble, isn't it? You can only fit eleven of them in the team. Mm. And mm. well if you think two well, if you think three of them are gonna be Davy, Gregory and Overton nailed on. Leach yeah, is your spinner. You, you've probably got one out of those three, so two of them are going to be disappointed. But you'd think maybe at, at 17, 18, they'd have the wherewithal just to stick it out playing some second team cricket and, and mm. learning their skills and playing in the Royal London and the odd blast game. Remember with Craig as well, so he's, you know, he might miss a few championship games later in the season because of England, because he might still be with England. So there's mm. a chance there potentially. Although Delanger would probably just come in. But yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's quite a few today. Um, L. Graham Smith, is it time for Somerset to move on from Barlett and Byram? Goldsworthy and Lamaby appear to have passed them by when a full-strength team is available. Does un- when does unfulfilled potential require a change of scenery? I think Barlett. I think they're different is- cases. I think they're very different cases. Yeah, I agree, Steve. Personally, I, I think Bartlett is and will make a lot of runs for Somerset because I think he's a, a high-quality player, and I, I hate to say it, but I think. Eddie Byron's going to really struggle to get a new contract unless he scores 400s in the remaining games in the Royal London One Day Cup and then gets runs in the Championship as well. Yeah, and that's a big ask, very big ask. Mm-hmm. Well, he's got to get in the team first, which is looking unlikely. Yeah, the, yeah, the current, exactly. the current yeah. run of form he's in. Mm. 
Right, guys, I'm going to have to leave you, I'm afraid. Yeah, me too. Yeah, me too. I think that's all we've done for listeners' questions as well. So, um, only Connect starts in two minutes, so I need to get my practice in for when uh, <laughs> me and Sir Peter Wanders put our application in. We've got a vacancy on our Always Look on the Bright Side of Life Only Connect team. If you want, <laughs> if you want to apply, let us know. Um, right, uh, Dan, you down tomorrow? Uh, yep, I will yep. be there. Cool. The I'll, uh, I'll see you tomorrow. Lunches. Anthony, enjoy watching the live stream, which must be a new experience. <laughs> Are you going to the ground tomorrow, Anthony, or just not commentating? No, 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 no. I, shall, I shall listen to the BBC commentary. Oh, absolutely. So who's your replacement tomorrow? Uh, Charlie's doing it. Oh, Charlie's doing it. Fantastic. So, oh, Is that Charlie's first ever big game? No, Dinner no. all day? No, he's done a few. He's done a few, yeah. Oh, okay. I've oh, good stuff. It. Look forward to listening to Charlie tomorrow then. Um, I thought he was working on the 100, but we've obviously been able to, to lure him back from the uh, the riches of the 100. And then I guess our our next uh, meeting to record is somewhat um, going to be determined by how far we... Uh, Open we, to interpretation, as they Yeah, say. how far we progress in the rule under One Day Cup. TBC, uh, shall we say. Right, um, thanks guys then. Uh, if you want to give us a follow on Twitter, we are at Somerset Podcast. We're facebook.com slash Somerset Podcast. And if you want to drop us an email, we are the Somerset Podcast at gmail.com. Anthony, we then get a single entry in for your customised, uh, uh, design your own <laughs> customised commentary pod uh, for Anthony to travel the country in. So that competition is going to remain open until next week. Uh, but for the guys, we'll catch you next time. Not sure when that will be, dependent on Raw London One Day Cup progress or not. Cheers. <laughs>